Let's pray. Father, I humble myself in your sight. Um, I pray that your word is living and active today. And Lord, it brings hope to us. It brings life to us. It brings joy to us. It, if there's something we need to be changed or convicted about, or then, then do it, Father God. The word of God is always good. And so today, in the name of Jesus, again, I humble myself in your sight. I pray for me to speak your word with truth and power and you would enlighten our minds and thoughts that we, we don't just gather more information, but we're doing something with this information. It's changing our lives. It's changing our world. We bless you and thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so with that, I want you, I think I have it up here. Um, this is the NIV. Um, I'm going to read it. So if you want to read this with me, uh, please don't read it from another version because it's going to confuse us all, okay? First Thessalonians 5, 8 through 11. You got to read this to me. But since, come on, read it with me out loud. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you were doing. Okay, so it says again, I want to go back to it, it says this, for verse 9, just listen to this. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are not an object of wrath. You are an object of God's eternal love. Say, I am an object of God's eternal love. Now, we talked about this last week. I gotta just bring it back. So you ever, you ever, you've ever wondered, where do my thoughts come from? Where did that thought come from? You, we hear that statement, you know, that came out of the blue or it came out of left field or that was just the strangest thought. And so, sometimes again, your mind is a, it's a supercomputer God has made. You, you generate thoughts all the time. And then there's sometimes thoughts that come into your mind from outside sources as we talked about again, what you read. Have you ever been like watching TV or listening to music and you start dozing off and you start dreaming about what's the TV? No. Do you sleep? Do you dream? Some of you need to stop drinking as much caffeine or maybe you need to sleep uh, anyway. And so, so so sometimes the outside world speaks to us as, as we talked about that. And so you ever wonder, where did that thought come from? Well, a lot of sources. And so as I'm telling you, God has given you a brain. You also need to check your thoughts sometimes. You need to check where they're coming from. Where did that source, why did that come? Where is that from? Uh, in fact, God says to us to renew our minds. You can renew your mind. You, know, you can renew it. I can't. No, you can. You are a sentient masterpiece. I read about that. And then we talked about this where sometimes because we live in a stressful world, we're weighed down by work, stress, bills, school, family, friends, all the world, everything's going on and it begins to weigh on us. And if we don't keep our thoughts pure, we don't keep renewing our minds, we will become discouraged, depressed, despondent. We, we will become doubtful. Even as I'm talking about this Luke 17 1, it says this, this offense. Um, 2 Corinthians, I talked about, you can look at this up later. I, I believe it's written in your notes. Look at it later. 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11, it says that um, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. Be aware of this, the devil's schemes to offend you, to pull you away from God. Um, and then, of course, I put in there Ephesians 2, 10, that we are God's workmanship created for good works, okay? So, just real quick, I know it's not on your notes, but where do thoughts come from? Well, one is, of course, is the, the different senses we have, uh, sight, touch, sound. 
Our subconscious, your subconscious creates thoughts, good and bad. Um, sometimes thoughts come in dreams. The spiritual world, I'm just bringing this back to you. This is all from last week. If you didn't, if you weren't able to make it last week, um, I hope it's up there on... Again, no offense if you like iTunes, but whenever we put sermons up, it takes a week for them to come up. Uh, maybe Spotify or another podcast. can You can look up last week's message and you can listen to it. I believe it was a great message. Pertaining to what we need to do is, is protect our thoughts. To put hope back into us. We live in a hopeless world. The news always portrays the evil. So again, we talked about this in another area the, that, that we get thoughts generated into us from God. God is a good God, so He puts great thoughts in your mind. The devil tries to interject uh, evil thoughts. Remember, the devil cannot read your mind. He can see how you react to the thoughts he puts into you. Okay? He puts thoughts. He knows your weakness. He'll attack that. He'll go after that. Okay? He knows. He's, he is, he's a powerful being, but he cannot read your mind. Uh, Jesus is the life of God, and we talked about putting on the armor of God. I'm just reviewing so you can, you can wake up with me. You're like, I'm hoping he shuts up so he can move on. Um, he is the hope of our salvation. Hope is more than, as I talked about this, it's more than a positive attitude. Remember that? It's not just wishful thinking. Like last week, I know, so I was teasing you about the Redskins. You, they didn't win. You were hoping they won. That was wishful thinking. I knew, I, I was praying the Broncos would win last week, but that was wishful thinking. It didn't happen. Uh, some of you are praying that you win the lottery. That's wishful thinking, okay? Uh, so, hope is a confident expectation of God's goodness, okay? So let me say that again. Hope, is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. And now we live in a world where we see a lot of hopelessness. We see a lot of hopelessness where, where people are ending their lives or they, they, they self-medicate and they do all these things and they just, you, you see them, they're zombies at work, at home or school and they like, they're just, they're sad. And, and the Bible says that God gives us true joy. And so hopelessness is one of the saddest human expressions. And God doesn't want us living in hopelessness true come on he will correct he will rebuke at times but it's always to bring life to us okay so then i talked about at the end of that before we ended is we need to uh, hope that perseveres again i said this hoping in a politician a political party you're hopeless uh hoping in the stock market or the lottery you're in big trouble hoping in another person a person we're going to fail i'm going to fail you if i haven't yet failed you i'm already apologizing right now i'm going to fail you okay so don't be offended Okay? Unless I'm maliciously mean, then, then you have permission to correct me, alright? Uh, but if we put our hope in God, our, our, our promises in Him are true. He is God. He has intervened. He, he's got His hand upon the world, but He wants to put hope in you. So now, okay? Are you good? I got 30 minutes to finish a five hour sermon. Just kidding. Alright? So, now, you gotta be open. Say, I'm open. Okay, not all of you said you're open, so I'm, I'm not gonna force you, cause this is not a cult, alright? Um, but here we go, expecting good. Expecting good. I've used this example many times. And so does anybody know um, who broke the four-minute mile run? Anybody? Some of you in the past stand, I, what? I don't even run anymore. I don't even want to run. So uh, this guy named Alistair. McAllister. McAllister was that? You know, I forgot his name now. This guy broke the four-minute mile mark. It, it had never been done. And after this guy broke the record, uh, um, Bannister, Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister. Is that right? Some of you Googling right now. Okay. Um, he broke the four-minute mile. It had never been done up until that time. And once he broke that mile, 
then uh, more people started doing it. But so they did a little experiment after that. This I remember hearing this from my pastor. They did a little experiment. So they started telling uh, these college students, they, they told one group, you'll never break, you can't do that. You can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. They told us, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Guess who broke the four-minute mile also? After that. The group, they, they started running. The, the one group, they kept saying, you can't do it, you can't do it. Guess what they could not do? They could not, they could never get past that four minute mile mark, a little over. And this group, this is after the, after, uh, Bannister had run the, broke the record. This experiment was what they kept positively telling me, you can do it, you can do it. Guess who started doing it more and more? This group. So here's my point. There is power in positive thinking. Not fake positive thinking, but good positive thinking that God is on the throne. He loves us. And so, here it is. You know the scripture. The first thing, number number four, because we're finishing up last week. What? How do you start with number four? Because we're finishing up, all right? Expecting good. God is working all things together for good. Okay, God is working all things together for good. Why do I know that? Because it says it in God's Word. God's Word is living. It's active. It's true. Pastor Stan, the Word of God is not true. It is absolutely true. And I do. I dare you. I dare you to find something in the Bible and I will prove to you that it's true. The Bible is true. You have doubts or questions. And I'm not trying to be mean to you. I don't have the exact answer right now. Well, Pastor, I got a list of questions. I want to talk to you after service. I would love, seriously, I would love to sit down with you and walk those questions through and we will find an answer because from the time the Bible was printed to now, people have been trying to disprove the Bible and they've never done it. Never done it. Well, there's loopholes. There is no loophole in the Bible. There's a loophole in your brain, my brain, and I misunderstand things. And so again, as I've said this, we read the Bible in our context. We read the Bible from our ethnic background. So if you grew up in, a, in, a, in the United States, you read the Bible from a Western mindset. Okay, You have to read the Bible in the context that it was written to the Hebrew people and then to later on to a different Roman people. You have to read it in that context. And so what I'm saying is the Word of God is true. It's true. It's true. It's not stories. It's historical. In fact, as I already said a few weeks ago, they found another place historically named in the Bible and they found artifacts to prove that this was a biblical place. Okay? So, Romans 8.28. All that to say this, we know that in all things God works for the good. Say that good. Good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So what is this, what a definition of hope. God is working things out for your good. It may not always be bad. I mean, you know, when the doctor says to you, hey, you need to stop doing this, or your, you know, the, the company tells you you need to stop doing this, it's for your good. It might hurt a little bit, but it's for your good. And so sometimes God's measures are corrective, but it's also for your good, okay? So there's two qualifications, all right? There's two qualifications here. One is, okay, the first is it says, and God is working for the good of those who love Him. So do I really love God? And the second qualification, this is an easy one, uh, am I doing what God's called me to do? So really, if you're like, I love God, God direct me, then you're going to follow into what is good for you. Amen? So God has a purpose for every person. If you come here, I always say that every time. And so what I want to say is sometimes in our lives we get stuck. We get discouraged. We get distraught. The storms of life come. The enemy comes. You and I make bad decisions at times and we get kind of lost. God is saying, I want to work that out. In spite of what happened, I'm trying to move you back into the path of what I have for you. And so that should bring you hope. Come on. You should be cheering and shouting. This is, this is exciting. Okay, that's, that's hopeful. This scripture gives us a foundation for never failing optimism. 
I know some of you hate Pollyannas, right? You ever watch that? Uh, some of you hate happy people. There's something wrong with you. Seriously, I mean, we should be happy. I mean, no, Pastor Stan, this world's terrible. Well, because we're always negative all the time. Yes, there's struggles. Yes, there's trials. Yes, there's bad things happening. But we are the people of hope. So you need to build up hope in your mind. It's not, again, not wishful thinking. This is a sure foundation. For we know that all things work for the good of those who love God. Okay? So hope is full of joy and optimism. Now, again, you have that person that's the total, the fake optimist that never believes there's troubles and never believes about... I mean, that that, that person's going to crash. And they'll realize, okay, and they'll learn. Or they won't learn. But you still can love them. Amen? So remember, hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. Hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. Now the next one, and I'm, I'm just kind of highlighting, Pastor Stan, this isn't a deep, uh, you know, uh, expository sermon like Paul the Apostle preached or Jesus preached. Jesus didn't preach expository sermons. He was the Bible. What, what's an expository sermon, Pastor? Then if you don't know, don't worry about it, alright? So what happens is I've had people come to me, Pastor Stan, you don't preach expository. Expository is taking a verse, a set of uh, scriptures, and going over every word and explaining. I often do that, but I'll change it up and how it goes. But today it's more of a topic of we need hope. And why God has put this in my heart is because we are seeing a lot of people with mental illnesses and we want to help them. If it's us, we see people that are depressed, discouraged. We're, we're besieged with negative from the TV, the radio, the internet. Your, your friends, you can get negative and God wants to put hope in your mind. Not a false hope, but a real hope. And so I want to kind of go over this topic, building us up for Christmas. Christmas is a hope, hopeful time. Come on. And then in January, I'm going to start a series, Hope for the mind. So not just this, but I want to help us to help either one. If you're, if you're dealing with mental illness, you know someone with mental illness, you yourself are just struggling right now, God has answers for us. And, and some, it's, so it's a course that we have to work through or whatever. I want to tell you that God is the God of hope. Always. Come on, amen. Our world needs hope. They don't need more bashing. They don't need more arguments. They need hope. Come on, amen. So letter B is this. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things? Okay, Matthew seven eleven. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, come on, give you bad, nasty gifts? No, it says, how much will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, when you buy Christmas gifts for your family member that you love, right? Not the oddball family, you know, the one you give that nasty, uh, whatever it is that you give them or you don't give them. But when you buy Christmas gifts for your family... Do you go out of your way to buy them bad gifts? I mean, for a joke, some of you might do that. But you go out of your way to find a good gift that expresses love, that you carefully look over and you find pleasure. Some of you have already, you're already done Christmas shopping. Some of you are going to wait till December 24th. That's fine too, okay? But here's what God is. God is always good. And if we as humans who have issues, we're carnal at times, we love them at times... If we know how to give good gifts to those we love, how much more can God give great gifts? Come on. Pastor Stan, I've heard this before. Well, come on, then you got to believe this. If God loves us, and we know how to give good gifts to our family, friends, people we love, how much more? The God, God is always the God of how much more. We think this God, we think God's a stingy God. He's only stingy when we're stingy. Come on. Give and it should be given. Come on. 
come on, you reap what you sow. And so the problem is, we think God in heaven is like penny pension. Nope, can't do that. God's not broke. He doesn't have to pass a resolution every three months. Okay, God is never broke. God is the creator of all things. So He knows how to give good gifts. Right? Now, this is not selfish gifts. Oh, I, man, I need ten billion trillion dollars. I need teeth that will never have to be brushed again. I need, you know, that's not that you, when we think selfishness, that's not what God is saying. Okay? Sometimes good gifts means again things that have to help us out. Straighten us out. You gotta eat broccoli sometimes. Some of you love broccoli or, you know, sometimes it's it just, you and I should expect good things from God. Come on, say I can expect good things from God. You know the scripture? I'll repeat it to you again. James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Do you see? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Okay? Amen? So, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things? The third part of this, number four, is God gives you a future and hope. Again, I'm reading a scripture. I know sometimes this gets misquoted. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in a future. He was specifically speaking to rebellious people. He said, you're going to have to go to captivity, but I'm doing that to correct you because I have a hope. I have a future. Not to harm you, but to help you. Do you see, this is God. Come on, Amen. We have churches full of religious that just can, that want to destroy other people, that want to keep people feeling condemned. That's not from God. God brings conviction to change us. This is good, amen? Think about all the good thoughts that God has for us every day. He is that eternal parent. You know, like, you ever run into that grandparent, like, hey, how's it? Tell me about your grandparents, your kids, your grandkids. And they go, Pfft. they used to pull out the pictures. Now they have their phone. I'm like, oh, look at this. Picture 585. Okay, I've seen that already. No. Okay, I got, I got picture 1090. You know, you got to keep looking. These are my grandkids. Aren't they beautiful? And you're like, yeah, okay, I've seen, I've seen them. But see, God is like that. He, he's looking at us. He has good thoughts, good thoughts about you. And he's, he's like, hey, angels, look at, look at so and so. Man, I love them. I, I want the best for them. I have great plans for their lives. And the world, uh, the world, and the enemy tells us no. So you have to again put back. I'm going through some tough times. I'm going through some struggles. Remember, God has a plan for your life. It may not be His plan that you're in that right now, and it might be His plan. But regardless, you need to say, God has a plan. He has hope. He wants to prosper me. Again, prosper. We always think prosper. We think money. Okay? Sometimes money destroys us. It doesn't prosper us. Sometimes some of you are really good with your money. Now, I'm not, I'm not demeaning. I'm just saying it's not always what we think and prosper. Okay? So God is thinking of how He can give you a future and a hope. That's awesome. Amen? Oh, isn't this good? Amen. Pastor Stan, would you please hurry? Okay. I mean, a person can't read Jeremiah 20.11 without expecting something good. This is great. All right. Number four, because i got to move on. And I, want, I do. I'm trying to move down to the end. I want us to have a time of prayer. But I want to help us today. Okay, number four again is uh, in, in the land of the living. Are you living today? Yes, you are. Okay? So again, I do this often. Put, put your fingers up. To, if there's a heartbeat, okay? If, if you put your, don't knock yourself out. But if you put your, if there's breath, you're living. Say, I'm living. I'm living. Okay? So if you're living today, 
All right? So the third thing, the, uh, number five, is in this lifetime, in the land of the living. David said this. I am still confident of this in, in Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Say, land of the living. Psalm 27, 13 in the New King James. I would, I would have lost heart. Listen to that. I would have lost the heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see, sometimes as Christians we say, well, one day I'm going to get to heaven. There's going to be no more trials, no more sickness, no more bad breath, no more bad hair days, you know, no more acne, all that. And that's true for some sense. But God is saying, today in the land of the living, you still need to expect good. You're going to face tough times. There's going to be troubles. But David is saying, I would have lost heart unless I did not believe that there's a God and He's put us in the land of living. Okay? You are still living today, so God's not done with you. He's not done pouring His goodness on you. See, many have said, well, one day, God's goodness, when I get to heaven, I'll be healed. And that could be true in some aspects. But while you're here, why not make the best of it? Come on. Life's too short. Come on. You have hope from God. God's goodness comes to us in this lifetime. This lifetime. And better in heaven. But really, a lot of times, you, you get out of life what you put it. There's times you reap what you sow, and there's times you, you reap things you don't sow. Okay? But if you're just, you gotta just keep putting away, because the Bible says, God will bless those who just keep working. One day there will be a benefit. Here on this earth, yes, and even later. But while you're still living, know that you're in the land of the living. Okay, and God loves you and goodness will come. And you just got to sometimes look for it. If you always look at the negative, guess what you see? Negative. If you're looking for good, you're going to find it because there is good in this world. Okay? David said, I would have lost hope. How do people lose hope? Well, part of that is we get disconnected from God. We get disconnected from other believers. We get disconnected from our family. Again, I use this example all the time. You look at these people that do these terrible atrocities to humans uh, in mass shootings or these things, the Unabomber, remember him, is they get separated from people. And when you get separated from other people, you get separated from people, you separate from God, then you begin to think destructive thoughts. And if you think, well, I could live life by myself, you cannot. You need family. You need friends. You need a church. You need to be there. And by the way, God never tells you to stop going to church. He made the church. Okay? We, we need each other. And so if you have a friend or someone, you know, well, God told me to leave the church. No, 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 no. He may call you to move from one church to the other, but not every other day, you know, you gotta stay where, you, where you're planted. If you keep, it's like the pot of plant. If you just keep uprooting a pot and a plant from a pot, it's never going to take root. It's never going to grow. God made the church. Jesus died for the church. And if you constantly say, God pulled me out of the church, God is not done with the church yet. There are some messed up churches. This church has problems. But we have some great things happening as well. Amen? Great people like you in this church. But we need to know, okay, That goodness comes from dwelling in God. And you live in a hopeless world, so you must get in the Word. I know, Pastor Dan, you talk about this all the time. You must read the Word. 
If you don't have time to read the Word, then listen to it. The U version Bible has a ton of audible versions in different languages. It has daily Bible studies. If you have time to put AirPods in and listen to music all week, you've got time to listen to the Bible. Come on. Come on. You know, I, and I, I remember, you know, I remember my poor oldest daughter going to school has barely time to, you know, I remember in college I was barely able to read the Bible and I was like, I've got to, even if I just read the Bible for five minutes, I need life because I need something to go because this school is, is wearing me out. So I'm just telling you can do it. You can read the Word. You should read the Word. It's life. It's, it's living. It's active. And so you're in the land of the living. Don't be despaired. Renew your mind to God. Let her be, okay? Prepare your minds for actions. Prepare your minds for actions. First Peter 1.13. You doing good? Alright. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Okay? Again, you need to renew your mind. You, again, are in control of your thoughts. Now this is in, in one, one verse, I believe King James, it says to, to gird up the loins of your mind. And what the example was is the men and women, sometimes they would wear long uh, robes. And what he was saying was prepare for action. So take your robe or your heavy big jacket and tuck it into your belt. Be ready to run, be ready to fight, be ready to work, be ready to defend. And that's what God is saying here. Paul, uh, excuse me, the scripture is saying, is Peter, I'm sorry, it's not Peter. Peter is speaking in letter B. Prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds. Your mind is a supercomputer. Let the Lord speak to you, the Holy Spirit, but also you need to read. You need to, you need to study. You need to be curious about things. And I talked about this. Dr. Carolyn Leaf talks about it in, in her book that I taught. My brains went blank uh, on the title again. Um, didn't prepare my mind enough, I guess. But she says in this book, it's good. And I read this from other social scientists and neurologists is every day you should take 16 minutes. And you need to do nothing. Put your phone aside, turn off the computer, get away from the radio, get away from people. For 16 minutes, daydream. Think. Just looking. If it means taking a walk. But she really said it's better if you're just sitting in a place that's quiet for 60 minutes. You're like, oh, I can't stand quiet. Because that's what the devil wants. Because in the quietness, you can hear the voice of God. You can hear your true voice. What really matters. In fact, she said it like this. What it does, it helps your subconscious... Sweep out bad thoughts. Pastor said, I don't have time. Yes, you do. You have 16 minutes a day that you must put in your schedule sometime, morning, noon, or night, sometime, that you just sit and just think of nothing. Daydream. I mean, whatever it is. If you think about something, then write it down. i got to call this person. Write it down. That's what I do. I have a notepad. I write things down so it gets off my mind because if I don't, I keep thinking about it. But just let your creative powers, let the hope of God renew your mind and prepare your mind for action. Come on, amen? You can either have your thoughts controlled or you can control your thoughts. You can have your thoughts controlled because the world system, other people, they want to control your thoughts constantly. Trying to tell you what you need, how you need to live your life. And if you don't have time to spend listening to God, you're not going to know whose voice it is sometimes. And you need to read the Word of God as well. Come on, amen. You need to come to church and thank you for being here. Go to Bible studies. Go to our life groups. Um, and, and just be with other people. Put your helmet of salvation on because it will protect your mind. It will protect your mind. Again, hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. 
The last thing. Some of you are excited. Yay, finally. Number six. Roman number six. God's thank you. Now this might sound scary. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to talk about it just for a few moments. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now again, the, the Greek word there, judgment, it's not the great white throne, but it's the bema or bema, however you want to pronounce it. And this is a, is a place where Jesus is going to be exalted. He will confront in some aspects, but he says, here's the reward now. This is where believers come before Christ. This is not the great white throne judgment where the wicked will be judged. Okay, so you have to read the word of God. You have to know the, the difference in this. This is, okay, for we must all appear before the bema or bema seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due for him uh, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we have to give an account. We will give an account, okay, for what we say. But at this time, this is where Jesus is going to say, okay, here's the great things, well done, good and faithful servant. This is not the great white throne judgment talked about in the book of Revelation. If you get to the great white throne judgment, you are in trouble. There's no coming back. Because if your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, you will be cast into the lake of fire. Okay? This is when we get back to, together with Christ, when He calls us back, this is, we're gonna, it's, it's, uh, it's like sports. It's, it's like where the, the first Olympics were given. And they would, they would give the wreath out to the winners. This is what this is. This is, yes, you, you mess up here, but here is your crown. And all the crowns will cast back at the feet of Jesus. This is all scripture. You can look through the, and so this is not to scare you, okay? Cause letter A, here guilt is from the enemy of our souls. Guilt, is different than conviction. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Guilt is not conviction. God convicts us. He challenges us. Okay? If you read the scripture and immediately you feel guilty, then maybe there's something that needs to be corrected. Or you need to say, you know what? Guilt is not from the the Lord. I rebuke that, Satan. Because the devil makes us feel guilty all the time. I mean, this week, I was thinking about something I did as a kid. In 19... And I and it was like... I thought to myself, that was bad. And I started feeling down. Like, oh my goodness, I'm terrible. And I was like, wait a minute. I asked God to forgive me for that. Why am I feeling guilty about that? Hmm, the devil. Always wanting me to live in guilt. Always want me to live in the past. Always trying to bring bad things up to my mind. And so this is, this is not from God. Come on, amen. The Word of God says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren of the believers. You should not, listen, you should not feel guilty in the presence of Jesus. He will correct you. If you're living in sin, it's gonna, it's gonna bring you to light. But, um, let me just read to you. I had, this is extra. Let me just read this to you out of 1 John 2.28. 1 John, you got a minute? You do, cause we're, you're here. Thank you for being here. 1 John, okay, 2.28. Let me make sure it's the right one again. Okay, and now, this is the NIV. And now, dear children, continue in Him, speaking of Jesus, so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. So God is not here to shame you, it's to help you. And so, you and I should not feel guilty as we're preparing for Christ. We'll be convicted, there's a difference. God will convict us, but guilt is you're, you're terrible, you're going to die, and no, there's no hope for you. Right? That's not from God. It's not from God. Just say it's not from God. Okay? So here we go. So guilt is from the enemy of our souls. Let it be. Now, you got to hear this. God doesn't always rebuke. 
God doesn't always rebuke. Just say it with me. God doesn't always rebuke. Now, I have another scripture. This is extra. I found it this morning. I want to read it to you. 1 Peter 2.24. You want to write that down. 1 Peter 2.24. I have another scripture too in a second. But 1 Peter 2.24. Let me make sure it's the right one. Because sometimes when you're tired in the morning, you don't write the right stuff down. Is this okay to me do this? First Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body and on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. He died. He was condemned. So here it is. God doesn't always rebuke us. Okay? Some believers, again, have this warped view of God that he's a mean father ready to quickly pound us for every mistake we make. Your, your heavenly parent, your earthly parents might have done that, but God is not like that. If you need to be corrected, He warns you. He warns you. And then if you continue, if you're obstinate, then He corrects you in a more higher manner. He escalates it because God is a loving God. Amen? Again, if you have this true, this picture of God that He's up there ready to beat you every time you make a mistake, you have a sick view of God. I'm not demeaning you, but where it came from is not from God. I talked about this, alluded this to last week. Again, my daughter still loved me to hug me, hug them and tell them out, because I do that. And I remember, I did not live in fear when my dad came home. Okay, when my dad came from where I was generally happy to see him, except for when I did something wrong. <laughs> so I didn't, when my dad came home, he was generally smiling, he was tired from the day's work, and I was like, Dad, you know, and, and I would be happy to see him. I didn't walk around thinking, oh my goodness, my, it's, my dad's coming home. <sighs> oh my goodness. Oh boy, I'm in so much trouble. Why, did you anything? No, I just, it's just my dad. <sighs> he's going to beat me. Why? I don't know, because he's just my dad. And if that's your view of God, that's wrong. If you're always, man, I'm going to go to church, the roof's going to cave in, oh my goodness, you have a wrong view of God. He might do that, but generally it's to love us, to correct us, okay? Again, the only time, I remember there's times I, I was doing wrong in the backyard, doing stuff, I, you know, my dad gave me, he gave me opportunity to mess with his tools, but he said, don't abuse his tools. There's a few times, he's in heaven now, dad, I love you, that I abused his tools. And I remember when my dad would come home and I was doing something I shouldn't be doing, I'd run in the house, you know, turn on TV, act like I was doing, hey dad, how's it going? You know, I'm like sweating. <sighs> so if you're doing something wrong, then just confess it. Get right with God, alright? Just, just make it right. But don't live in fear, oh my goodness. Cause here's what Psalm 103, 9 through 10 says this, okay? The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger, right? Abounding in love. Listen to this. I love this. He will not always accuse, nor will he arbor his anger forever. Verse 10. This is, you should be shouting. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He has a right, but he doesn't. He wants you to be, to be remorseful. He wants you to change. And if we confess our sins, he keeps no record of those sins. Okay, so stop allowing Satan to cripple your future because of the past. The past is gone. You can't change it. It's gone. 
Alright? So let me move on, because this is to the end. Let her see the real purpose. Listen, the real purpose of the judgment seat of Christ. Second Corinthians, as we talked about that. As I've kind of alluded to, the judgment seat of Christ is to reward us for our service, okay? So, Pastor Stan may not always say thank you for your hard work, the things that you do without anyone knowing. And by the way, check this out, okay? This is where God is going to say, well done, and thank you for being faithful. Okay? I love you. Welcome into the kingdom of God. He will reward you for your hospitality. When, when you helped the stranger on the side of the road, when you brought people to Sunday school, when you helped serve food at the church luncheon, when you helped at the community trash pickup, when you prayed for someone when they were down, you know, it, this is greater than SSL hours. This is an eternal reward. No, nothing wrong with that stuff. This is better than a tax refund. Okay, this is better than getting money off for, for, this is, God just, this is eternal. God will thank you. James 1.27 Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. God's going to thank you for giving funds to a homeless shelter, helping with our homeless ministry. God's going to thank you for donating to, to those who need help. God's going to thank you for winning people, leading people to Jesus Christ. That's important, by the way. That's something God encur- encourages us to do through the Great Commission, the Great Commandment. God will thank you for your arduous prayers, rotten tears, so, though no one saw you. If you want someone to reward you for praying, then you've just received your reward. Because prayer warriors are often unseen. Un, un, they sometimes are heard. But if you're going around, well, no one knows that I pray. God knows. And we feel it. We sense it, okay? But if you're doing good, hoping to, to get something out of it, then you are just received your reward. But this is where, at the end of time, God is going to bless you for giving your hard-earned money to missions, for, for doing stuff behind the scene that no one uh, sees, or standing up for righteousness. Now, you don't have to fight people, but we still need to stand up for righteousness. We are the church. Come on, amen? God is going to thank you for the numerous and unknown sacrifices done to help His church grow. Would you stand with me this morning? Titus 2, 11-14, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Worship team, if you would come right now. To live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Pastor, and I can't control myself. I, I just, I don't know how to do it. God says, I'm giving you everything you need. Grace to live, to say no, to say yes when you need to say yes. God is finally going to thank you for placing your hope in His return. God is coming back. Okay, the Bible's very clear. No man knows the day or the hour. Well, I know the week. No, you don't. I know the minute. No, you don't. And by the way, if you spend all your time, I know the numerology. I know who the Antichrist is going to be. I know the day. You're, you're wasting time. Jesus said, get ready by getting people saved and make sure your life is right. Because He is coming. Okay, He is coming. And so our hope is in that He's coming to return. He's going to set us free. Amen? See, the blessed hope should liberate us from the fear of death. We're all going to die. Okay? Don't fear death. Fear wasting your life. Live life. Put hope in your mind. God has given you hope. He's given you hope. He's given you a future. Here, the blessed hope is the returning of Jesus Christ to set us free from this wicked world. But we must do all we can to help others to find this hope. Do I have, do I have Matthew? Do I add this 11, 20 through 30? Yes. 
here's what I want to say. I want to read this to you. Let me talk about this and we're going to have an altar time. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I was reading that this week, and God gave me a vision while I was reading that. And this was, I put it into into the PowerPoint for this sermon, is that some of us, we are yoked to fear. We're yoked to depression. We're yoked to discouragement. We're yoked to the world trying to tell us who we are when we're nearly not that. And so, again, we don't live in an agrarian society, but a yoke is when, again, if you've ever seen a cattle or a, a, a draft horse, they put this basic, that's a collar on. And this, this draft horse or draft animal can pull a lot of weight. And so what Jesus was saying, he was alluding to that because there were even people in his time that had yokes about them. Slaves would have a, a chain, a yoke that their owner could put, could pull another chain on them and pull them back. Or actually, there were people who were treated like mules and they would carry stuff and they would plow fields with a yoke on them. And so Jesus is saying, if you get yoked with the world, which is depressing, it's discouraging, it wears you out. He's saying, listen, I've got a better yoke. Let me take you. And this is, the example of this, again, my father was a farmer group in West Virginia. They had draft horses, the huge horses. They're beautiful horses and they're bred for that. I've told you this. They would have a junior horse and a senior horse. The older horse would be yoked, yoked with the younger horse and the older horse would do a lot of the pulling and teach the younger horse, this is how you do it. Jesus is saying, I'm the senior here. Take my yoke. It's not depressing. It's not discouraging. It will not destroy you. Take my yoke. It's easier and you will find rest for your soul. Basically, he's saying, let me do the pull. I will pull for you. You don't have to do all the work. I'm going to teach you. And see, some of you, your minds are yoked to your cell phone. They're yoked to social media. They're yoked to your work. They're yoked to a toxic relationship. They're yoked to the fears. They're yoked to the politics. They're yoked to whatever. And God is saying that stuff is killing you. It's destroying you. It's not giving you hope. But if you will take my yoke, here's what it says. What does it say? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I will give you rest. God is saying this morning, I want to give you a real hope. Not wishful thinking but a real hope. So some of you need to spiritually and visually in your mind say, I'm unyoking from this burden that I cannot carry anymore. And I've got to yoke up with Jesus who His burden is light. He will give me peace. Some of you are stressing about stuff you can't even you can't control. You need to say, God, I need to unyoke from that and I need to yoke with you. It doesn't mean you have no more responsibility. It doesn't mean you're not accountable anymore. But it says, I need to get away from the world and I need to connect with Jesus. So I'm, I'm trying to get this picture in your mind. Would you allow God to take the yoke of the world off of you and say, I want the yoke of Jesus, which is going to lead me to eternal life, that's going to give me hope, that's going to pull me through the tough days, tough weeks, tough years, tough decades sometimes. God is for you, not against you. Amen? Come on. So let God's hope free your mind. Let God's hope protect your mind. Hope, again, is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. Say it with me. Hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. Unyoke your mind from the negative of the world and yoke it with God. Come on, you can do that. The questions, again, before we have a prayer time, is who or what fills your mind? Who or what fills your mind? 
Who controls your thoughts? Is it you or something else or someone else? Are your thoughts depressing? Are your thoughts always troubling? We're gonna, we all face that. But David said to his soul, be quiet. Or why soul are you so downcast? Put your hope in God. You physically, verbally need to say, Stan Nelson or insert your name. God is good and he loves me and I'm putting my hope in him. Okay? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Your thoughts can be filled with hope. They can be thinking about the good things of God. So Father, today in the name of Jesus, whatever you need to do, help us to unyoke from the world. It's depressing. It's evil. It's discouraging. It's condemning. It's guilt-ridden, God. Lord God, I know some of us, we just, we gotta get out of that. So we're asking for help today. Maybe we're in a good place right now, but Lord, we still want to be yoked with you. Lord, some of us need to actually practice the, the, the thing of reading the Bible as much as we can, listening to it, so that we're not depressed by the depressing world. Some of us, we're just going through a dark time. You're going to walk us through that as, as Romans 8.28 says that. All things work for the good of those who love the Lord. Job had to go through a season. Joseph was left in a prison and forgotten, was falsely accused. But you still had a hope. You still had a future for him. Just like you have for every man, every woman, every teenager, every child in this church. There is a hope. There is a future, God. It's not false thinking. It's not wishful thinking. It is true because you're coming back for us. So, Lord, we want to prepare our minds for action. So, church, come on. Just start saying, God, prepare my mind for action. Let him renew your mind. Let him renew your thoughts this morning. Let him take those negative thoughts. And he will put great thoughts. Start thinking of the goodness of God in the land of the living because you're still living today. Holy God, do your work right now. Do your work in every mind, every soul, every person. Everyone here today, give us a new hope. Give us a new joy if that's what we need to Refresh the dream if you need to do that, Lord God. If there's darkness over that, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I curse the darkness of the devil. I pray now for life. I release your vision in every man, every woman here today. Friends, I would be remiss with this option that maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. He is the hope of all nations. I've read about Him. Maybe you've never given your life to Him and you want to do that. I'm not going to have you come up. I'm not even going to have you raise your hand this morning. The Bible says again very clearly, if you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved.